Hello and welcome back to the College Age Movement Podcast. We've been gone for quite a while through the holiday season and we did a night of worship last week and then last night we got to walk through the first part of our new series entitled Dear Church. And the idea behind Dear Church is just a simple uh, walk through the book of Galatians. Now, the book of Galatians is an incredible book. It's one of the ones that I feel like I look over between Philippians and Ephesians and Corinthians, and then you have Galatians sitting in this in this group of letters, and I think that I just don't give it as much love as, as I should. So this was something that, that was kind of a, a personal walk through the book of Galatians, and I think that it's it's really shown some things to me, and I hope that it would show some things to you as well. So we're going to be in Galatians chapter 1 this evening, and I want to set a little bit of context. Uh, Paul is writing this letter to the church in Galatia, and, and this church is turning from the teaching of Jesus back to traditionalism rooted in Jewish rules and Jewish regulations, and Paul is just so frustrated, and he wants to make sure that he is speaking directly into their lives, even though he's not presently with them. What I love about this book is that Paul has such a unique perspective on the situation because he used to be steeped in Jewish tradition. He he was the Jewish tradition guy, and so he can speak to it from that perspective, which is unlike most people could at the time. And so we're gonna we're gonna look through this starting in chapter one, verses six through seven, and it says this: "It says I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ." So the first point would be this: stay true to the gospel. Paul, from the start, is obviously frustrated with the church in Galatia. They have quickly turned back to the Old Testament habits that Jesus came and did away with. And the church was struggling to understand something that I think you and I struggle with today. Uh, we, we struggle with this too today. And that is this, is that we are justified through our faith in Jesus, not through anything that we do ourselves. We're justified through Christ, not anything that we actually do or accomplish ourselves. And it's so easy for us to put ourselves back into those situations and say like, no, I need to earn it. And you've been there and I've been there where you've done something wrong and you feel like, oh, did I just lose it? Did I just lose the grace and the mercy and the love and forgiveness of Jesus? Or you have a good day and you did like three good things and you want to pat yourself on your back and you're like, I feel like I earned it. I feel like Jesus loves me now, unlike he loved me before. And so this isn't something new. This isn't something that, that we don't deal with that we're the first ones to deal with. We've been dealing with this as the church for 2,000 years, but we have to understand, if we're going to understand anything, is that we are justified through Jesus, not justified through anything that we do or accomplish. You see, the Jewish traditions that they were heading back into required something from them instead of the grace of God, which was a gift given to them. See, Jesus, he wants things from us. He wants our lives. He wants us to sacrifice. But at the core of the message, it isn't just Jesus sitting down and being like, okay, I want something from you. And if you give me that thing, then here's salvation. What it is, is here it is, unmerited favor, unmerited grace, unearned forgiveness. And now my hope is that you will start to live your life for us. You see, the church in Galatia wanted to go back to what was comfortable And all it took was someone to put the idea back into the forefront of their lives. Paul says, 
I, I can't believe that, that some people are throwing you into confusion already. They're trying to pervert the gospel and you are readily following them. And that had to have been so frustrating, frustrating for him as a church planter to see people just blindly following these other people. But they wanted to go back to what was comfortable, what was normal. And you and I have been there too. There are so many things in our lives that we just want to, we want to stay in those things because they're comfortable and they, we can put a bow on them. But the call of our lives is not to be comfortable. The call of our lives is to go and work and, and spread the news of Jesus and the love of Jesus and the grace of Jesus. It's not to be comfortable. It's not, not to get back into routine because routine can become such an incredibly dangerous thing. I know that I've been there, and I know that I have probably been in places where I've convinced other people. I, I am the person. I'm the person con- sending people into confusion because I want to be comfortable, and I want people to come along in that comfortability because if they are breaking out of that, and they are doing new and radical things, and they are being stretched and they are learning, then I either lose my people or I need to get on board and go along with them. And so we try to convince people to stay comfortable. And, and the call in our lives is not just to be, not to be comfortable, but it's also not to cause other people to stay in the monotony of their routine either. What I love about this passage is that it reminds us of a vital part of our faith, is that we are following Jesus, not other people, but also we want people to follow Jesus, not us. So when we're looking at the grand scheme of this is that we're not just trying to make people comfortable. We're trying to people make people more like Jesus. We're not trying to make more people like Evan. We're not trying to make more people like you. What we're trying to do is make people more like Jesus. Now, hopefully, we start to look a little bit more like Jesus, and if people follow us, they start to look a little bit more like Jesus too. But I'm not making disciples of Evan. I'm making disciples of Jesus, and you need to be doing the same thing. See, there's a temptation to followers of Je- as followers of Jesus to start following a pastor or a leader or somebody who's out in society instead of tapping into the gospel and following Jesus. We all do it. The new preacher, the new communicator, the new author, whatever it is, you're like, oh my gosh, this is incredible stuff. And it absolutely is. There's so much vital information to learn from people who are tapping into the gospel of Jesus. But I can read a book by Andy Stanley or Louis Giglio, whoever it is, but the call is never for me to just tap into the idioms of Andy Stanley or, or to dig into the points of Louis Giglio. My life needs to be rooted in Jesus. And if Louis Giglio or Andy Stanley or Chad Veach or Ritual Christian Jr., whoever it is, can lead me into a close relationship with Jesus, fantastic. But I'm not a follower of them. I'm a follower of Jesus. And we too often start to put all of our justification and all of our, uh, we, we just rely and depend so much on people that we stop relying on Jesus. You see, Paul was frustrated because when he was in Galatia, they bought in. They were like, yes, we're all about this. But then the moment that he leaves and other people step into a position of leadership, they just start to go back to what these people say. And that had to have been so frustrating for Paul because what that communicated was, I want to follow Paul. And Paul wasn't trying to get people to follow him. This wasn't the church of Paul. This was the church of Jesus. And he wanted people to to just dig in and root themselves in who Christ was, not in who Paul was. You see, if your faith is dependent on another human being, you are setting yourself up for a world of pain and hurt and agony because human beings are imperfect. We need to not be dependent on other people in our faith, but just to simply be dependent on Jesus. 
And that goes the other way too. If there are people in your lives that are fully dependent on you for their faith, you need to point them back to Jesus. I need to point them back to Jesus. Because as much as we're trying to be like Jesus, we aren't Jesus. And we need to make sure that Jesus is a part of everything that we do. And people aren't just taking what we say and blindly listening, but taking everything that Jesus said and actually letting it sink into their hearts. Paul goes on to say in verses 8 through 10, he says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, now I say it again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So the question that I have this afternoon is this, is what or who is motivating you? What or who is motivating you? Paul understood that the gospel that he was preaching would be considered radical to the outside world, to the Jewish people, to the Gentiles, didn't matter what. It was a radical message. Nobody had ever seen anything like this before. The message of Jesus made everyone uncomfortable on some level. And I think that what you and I need to realize is that if we're going to talk about Jesus today, we are going to make people uncomfortable. The message of Jesus makes me uncomfortable. It is so outside of my humanity. That is something that we need to embrace. There's something about it that is so significant that even in the uncomfortability of the message of Jesus, we understand that it is true and that it is final and it is amazing. But people are going to be uncomfortable because it will challenge parts of their lives. You will be uncomfortable because it's going to challenge parts of your lives. I will be uncomfortable because it absolutely challenges parts of my life. See, we will make people uncomfortable. And when we talk about Jesus, we will find people criticizing the way that we do things. They will be criticizing the way that we live our lives. And that will come from every single direction whether it's religious people or unreligious people, whether it's inside the church or it's the world, we're going to find ourselves being criticized. See, I found in five years of ministry that there will always be people who are pissed off at the way that I live my life and the way that I run the, that my ministry, the ministry that God has entrusted to me. I will always make somebody mad. Somebody will always be frustrated with the way that I do things. And I have people who have criticized the way that, that we do things at college age. I've criticized... I've had people criticize the way that I preach. I've had people criticize the way that I do relationships. And there, there's a thousand examples of, of something that, that I could use in this situation. But the one that sticks out to me is something that happened about three years ago. I got the incredible opportunity to officiate a wedding of some close friends of ours. Uh, we, we just have an amazing group of friends from lots of different walks of life. And this these specific people grew up in the church a little bit, but not super religious. And so they wanted me to come and do it because they knew that I wouldn't press them in any uncomfortable, super uncomfortable ways. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't push Jesus on them, but I was still going to talk about Jesus. So I I got the opportunity to do that. And it's just such an incredible day. And then two days later, um, Mark Johnson, who's a pastor here on staff at Faith Chapel, walked uh, up to me and said, hey, can I, can I talk to you for a couple minutes? He said, hey, I had a, a letter written to me about you that, that said that you were doing some inappropriate things at a wedding this past weekend. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what? Like it was our friends. So like we were there, we were having fun and we were dancing and, and all that good stuff. But, but the letter said that I had my hands all over a bridesmaid. And so Mark said, I, I just need to know, like, did you have your hands all over one of the bridesmaids? And I said, Mark, yes, I absolutely did. And with a shocked face, he said, how could you do that? And I said, because one of the bridesmaids was my wife. 
and she was the maid of honor. And so because we were dancing, somebody assumed that I, as a married pastor, was actually inappropriately uh, spending time with this cute girl that wasn't my wife when in fact it was my wife. But what it taught me, even in, in the comedy of it, was that people are always watching. And it's not just because I'm a pastor, it's because I claim to follow Jesus. And if you claim to follow Jesus too, people are going to be watching. People are always going to be criticizing the way that you live your life. And that that's an agreement that we make when we decide to follow Jesus, that people will persecute us, that people, and that that's not just this persecution that people in other countries where there's like physical persecution where you could lose your life. It means that you could lose status. It means that you could lose relationships because people are watching you and they're combing through your life and trying to find things that they might not otherwise try to find. But if we're going to say that we follow a Jesus who loves people unconditionally and we want to do the same, then we better try to love people unconditionally. Now, we're un- imperfect and we will fail time and time again. But we, if we have the recognition that, that people are always watching, then maybe, just maybe, we'll fail a little bit less. And maybe, just maybe... We will take unique opportunities to speak into the lives of people and to just simply show people to Jesus. You've probably found at some point in your life that people are watching your life too, but what I love is in Matthew chapter 11, verses 18 through 19, it says, For John came neither eating nor drinking. This is John the Baptist. And they said, that they being the Pharisees and Sadducees, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Well, now here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. See, whether it was John the Baptist who did none of those things or Jesus who did those things, people made criticisms and found excuses as to take shots at their life. So maybe we are finding ourselves in pretty good company. Maybe if we are influencing people enough that people want to criticize our lives. Maybe we're putting ourselves in positions. Now we have to be very careful and we can't just pull the God card and say, no, God wanted me to get it wasted on Friday night. That's why I did that. Like, no, he didn't. That's not from Jesus. But what it does mean is that our lives are going to be criticized, but if they're criticized and we're following Jesus, then we're good the whole way. It might be tough. Relationships might get hard at points, but if we are sticking true to who Jesus has called us to be, then we are on the right track. Luckily, we aren't called to live to the standards of the people that are watching our lives. We are called to live to the standards that God has called us to. And a lot of those time, those a lot of the time, those standards are higher. But a lot of those, a lot of the time, the standards are different. And Jesus has called us to something that is outside of this world. It's outside of culture. It's outside of what people want to put onto our lives. And so, if we can focus and not get worried about what people want us to be, and who instead we just want to focus on who Jesus wants us wants us to be, we are setting us ourselves up for a really successful life. You see, Paul understood this, and this is what he was trying to get the church in Galatia to understand. He goes on to say in verses 11 through 12, he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. This is what I love about this, is that it's a God-commissioned message, a God-commissioned message. Paul doubles down on the fact that the gospel isn't about an idea proposed by a human mind, but that it is the words and actions of God himself put on display for us to follow. 
And I think that we have to understand that the message of Jesus is regularly going, regularly going to be presented by men and women that are fully human and fully imperfect. You are listening to this podcast right now, and I promise you I am imperfect and I am broken and I have opinions that probably fall outside of what Jesus has for my life, and he's still teaching me things, and he's going to correct those things in my life. And it doesn't matter who you're listening to as far as preaching goes. They're imperfect. They're human. But what we can all agree on is that if we understand that this is a God-commissioned message, this isn't a message that I have for you, it's a message that Jesus has for you and I, that, that we are positioning ourselves in place to learn from people who are tapped into the fact that Jesus has ordained this message. This isn't something that we just came up with. This isn't something that we wrote. This is something that God wrote. This is something that God lived. This is not just about us. This is about Jesus. And my hope is that my or others' perspectives on Scripture are helpful, but we always have to remember that we need to go back to the source, and that is Jesus, 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 Jesus in everything. And if it lines up, fantastic. And if it doesn't, let's be willing to have conversations about how we're speaking about the gospel of Jesus. And then Paul goes on to say in verses 13 through 14, for you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism. How intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. And this is what I love about this is this is just a clear communication that your past is and always will be usable. Your past is and always will be usable. One of the reasons that Paul is such an impactful man in the movement of the church is that his past was about as messy as it came. He was literally killing people for following Jesus. Now, if God is willing to use that, then why do you and I feel like the mistakes that we have made disqualify us from God using us? Paul was systematically destroying the church and Jesus showed up and flipped the script. Paul wasn't just living a sinful lifestyle. He was directly attacking Jesus and his followers day after day, month after month. But isn't that an incredible testament to the fact that there isn't a single person on earth that God isn't willing to use, that God isn't willing to equip? If he is willing to do that for Paul, believe me when I say he is willing to do that for you. No matter where you find yourself today, no matter what sin you're living in, no matter what relationships you're in, no matter what, God is willing to take you from that and put you on a path that he has ordained and predestined for you to be on. He has work for you to do. He has work for me to do. You see, what I love about the story of Paul is that it's just a perfect example of how much grace Jesus has. This unabounding, un measurable amount of grace and forgiveness. And not only does he want to forgive us, but he wants to use us. The creator of the universe wants to use you to love people supernaturally. He wants to use you to help people find the love that God has for them, the mercy and the grace and all of those things that he has for them. And what an incredible assignment that is that we get to participate in that with Jesus, that we get to participate in that with Paul that no matter how broken, how messy, how many mistakes we have made, God is still wanting to use us. In fact, Paul goes on to say this in verses 15 through 16. He says, But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. 
God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. You see, Jesus had been waiting to use Paul since before he was born. He has been waiting to use you since before you were born. He has been waiting to use me since before I was born. And that is an incredible thing. But here's the deal about following Jesus. We talk about this regularly, that it's a participatory relationship, that it's a two-way street, that God calls us, but we have to respond. You see, there has been work that is laid out for us to do. God has been wanting to use you for a very, very long time, but he can't force you into that. That's a decision that you have to make. That's something where you have to surrender your life. You have to surrender your actions and say, Jesus, I want to do that. Free will is a tricky thing, and we're never going to have to do things that we don't want to do. We can just avoid them. We can avoid the hard stuff. We can, we can go down our own road, but God has so much more for us. But we have to step into the will of God and understand that he's been waiting to use us for a very, very long time. And I can promise you this, is that God's timing is perfect. That he is going to just uniquely equip you and send you the moment that you say yes to it. He will provide opportunities. He will open doors. He will shut doors. But incredible things will happen if we just surrender our lives to him. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're God's handiwork. We are created specifically by God in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Those works that he's asking us to do, those relationships that he's asking us to enter into, those people he's asking us to love, to serve, he's prepared those things in advance for us to do. We need to jump into that. So what what I want to do today is I just want to wrap up with a couple quick questions, and that is this. Number one, are you willing to be uncomfortable? Are you willing to break out of habits and routines? I recently listened to a podcast from Craig Rochelle. It's a leadership podcast. It's for people inside the church, but it's also for people outside the church. And he's just talking about leadership habits or life habits that will help you become a better leader. But I think that we could take it even further and and look at that from a perspective of following Jesus. In your relationship with Jesus, what are some habits that you need to start? Maybe what's one habit that you need to start? What's something that you could do that would start to produce fruit that would help you in your relationships, that would help you at work, but it would help you be a shining example of who Jesus is. And then on the other side, what's a habit that you need to get rid of? What is something that you have done so for so long in your walk with God that it's no longer producing fruit? It's just a monotonous task that you feel like you have to do, but there's no fruit coming from it. Kill it or adjust it. We aren't called to just check boxes. We're called to follow Jesus. And we have to do things that are producing fruit in our life and in the lives around us. We aren't called to just sit on our hands and do the same thing over and over and over again. God wants us to impact people as much as we possibly can. The second question to this is, are you ready to work? If you follow Jesus, you already know this, that no part of following Jesus is easy. It's worth it, but it's not easy. And if you're thinking about a relationship with Jesus, I would encourage you time and time again, step into it, step into it. It will, it's, it's worth everything. It's eternity. It's, it's 
It's the most important decision that you could ever possibly make. But I never want to be somebody who sits in front of you or sits in front of a microphone and says, hey, when you say yes, it's going to just be super awesome and sunshine and rainbows and there's going to be no hardship. Jesus says time and time again throughout scripture, you'll be persecuted because of me. There will be hardships because of me. He's honest with us. But the standards that, that we start to hold ourselves to seem a little bit harder because we're still human while trying to pursue Jesus. But everything, all of the valleys, will be completely negated by all of the mountaintops. And in the end, eternity is at stake, and our eternities are with Jesus, and we can live securely in that no matter what we are going through on this side of heaven. The third question would be this, are you ready to watch God use your story? In Galatians chapter 1, verses 22 through 24, Paul wraps this whole thing up, and I just love it. It says, I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. We are writing stories that people get to read every single day. My prayer is that individually and collectively, people will praise God because of the reports that are being said about you and I. Thank you so much for tuning back into the College Age Movement podcast. We're so excited for 2019. We think that God is going to do some incredible things in the lives of young people, but just in the lives of people in Billings, Montana and around our world. And we hope that you will come and be a part of it. We meet on Tuesday nights at seven o'clock at Faith Chapel. We would love to have you here in person and start to build a relationship with you. But if you cannot physically be here, we're so glad that you're listening. We will talk to you very soon.